providing real solutions for real industry challenges. Welcome to FNF Unplugged, the talk of the title industry. Welcome to FNF Unplugged. Today we have as our guest Darlene Wilsey from the FNF family of companies, who is the Director of Business Development and Sales Training. Welcome, Darlene. Hi, Linda. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Darlene and I have worked together for several years and through a few market ups and downs. So please share with our audience, you know, your journey to this area of expertise that you have. I'd be happy to. You know, it's hard for me to believe that 2023 will be my 30th year in the financial sector, with the bulk of that time having been in sales and sales management roles. My current role as business development director has given me an opportunity to combine my passion for teaching and motivating others. I have a BS in secondary education uh, with my extensive sales and sales management experience. Well, that's great, Dar. I know that your enthusiasm for sales and business development really shows through. And that's why I thought today, you know, we're going to talk about what you do, how you do it, and maybe give our audience some pointers in the market that we're experiencing. We're seeing a lot of challenges right now out there. The marketplace is changing. Financial services industry is changing. What do you see as our biggest challenges right now? Well, you know, really in my 30 years, I think this has really been the, a perfect storm. We have, you know, increased consumer and customer demand, you know, for faster and more seamless service. But that's also now combined with the increased market threats that our business leaders, at least in our sector, are facing. And they're already dealing with fatigued employees. So this, I think, probably more so than ever, is probably the most challenging environment that I personally have experienced, and I think probably most of us. That doesn't mean that challenge means we're going to you know, fail. I think we're all very equipped, especially in the financial sector. We're pretty resilient um, people, and we've been through these periods before. So you know, while these are significant challenges, I'm very confident in our ability as an industry and in a profession to successfully meet these challenges. Well, I liked how you termed it as market stress. I really never thought of it that way, but you're right. I mean, we go through stress differently depending on what our roles are in our companies or in our business or even in our personal lives. So how do you kind of take that market stress and how do you equate that to stress in sales? Sure. I mean, personally, and I think this is what I try to stress with any salesperson that I'm either coaching or training. You know, as a matter of fact, even earlier this week, working with with several different organizations, you know, this isn't a time to panic. Uh, Market threats are there to some extent all of the time. And if we stay focused, executing at our highest level, both from a strategy standpoint, as well as a skill set standpoint, regardless of what those threats are, we can have success. We're in a situation right now, if we're talking about from a business leader perspective, we have to stay focused on simultaneously improving our internal efficiencies so that we can meet those increased demands from our customers for faster, more seamless service, while we're also increasing our companies and our employees' sales effectiveness. And again, as we've mentioned, that's a huge challenge, but it's one that I have witnessed that there's a level of commitment to. I think what I would stress, Linda, at this point, for anyone listening, 
that is recognizing the increased challenges that we're facing and maybe feeling a little overwhelmed or unsure of what to do next. I'd really just encourage the time is now. Whether you have salespeople or not, we can improve our team and our individual personnel's sales effectiveness. We can counter these obstacles. We can be successful. There is no doubt in my mind. Well, I like your advice about being calm and being focused. So let's think about that. How can we re-engage whoever it is back into their sales activities? That is a great question that I'm really glad you asked me. And I know that you have a time limit here. So I could, because I could go on and on about this, but I'm going to try to be brief with that. But I think there's some things that we can do, as I said today, whether as a business owner, especially, I would recommend first and foremost, we need to upskill or add existing skill sets to all company employees. This is a time where any company, whether you're in an operations role, an administrative role, a management role, we all need to possess and be able to execute core sales competencies. Now, that needs to be done, I'll use the word delicately, strategically, methodically, because again, we're dealing with fatigued employees. We don't want to overwhelm. These are employees that we also need to retain. And so the the goal is not to overwhelm them by adding extensive amount of responsibilities, but rather incorporating these core sales competencies into their existing roles. The other thing that I would suggest that we do immediately as as business leaders is to identify opportunities to reskill select employees. And by reskill, I mean, you might have an employee who's in an operations role that might be from just a natural skill set, interpersonal skills as per se, a good candidate to put in an external sales role whether it's part-time or full-time. And so identifying these opportunities to reskill our current employees, again, so that they you can emphasize or have more focus on managing these increasing market threats that we're facing. Analyzing internal processes to remove duplicate or non-essential tasks for employees. We need to make it easy for our employees. Again, recognizing that they've been through the past 24 to 30 months have been very difficult for a lot of our employees from a volume standpoint. And so we want to make it easier for them, for us to upskill and for them to take on and learn um, and execute additional responsibilities. And if we analyze our internal processes to ensure that what they're doing is not being duplicated or is essential I like to refer to it as as high-value sales activities. So it's focused on the right customers, uh, the right prospects. Uh, These are activities that are aligned with adding new customers or saving current relationships. So I think that's a really important analysis that business leaders need to go through over the next few weeks, not necessarily months, to see where they can make it easier on their employees so that they can upskill and reskill. And again, there's so many suggestions and opportunities that we have that are not cumbersome. The thought can be cumbersome. But really, when you look at this, we're already doing this. As a business leader, we're already looking for opportunities to put the right person in the right place. We're already looking for opportunities to add and and get the most out of our existing staff by giving them additional focus on competencies that will help us, again, achieve our financial performance benchmarks. 
But if I could just take a few more minutes here, Linda, I would appreciate it because I, I feel this is really important. I think we need to pay equal attention to improving our employees' skill sets, as we've already discussed, to also improving their mindset. Listen, management-initiated upskilling and reskilling requires us to be very careful and to be very motivational and, and inspirational and supportive of these efforts. Just communicating and training these competencies isn't enough. You need to align yourself with people that can help motivate and inspire your team and model um, what you're looking for from a skill standpoint. And I think that to me is very important as we take these fatigued employees and keep them engaged in meeting these increasing customer demands and increasing market threats. These are very great points. You talk about reskilling, upskilling, reminding ourselves to be self-aware. And I think it's critically important what you said about in making sure we're cognizant of the mindset, because when it all boils down to it, people are still and will still be the center of our businesses. You talk about these core sales competencies. Could you expand on that? What are core sales competencies? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Certainly, there's a large number of of core sales competencies. And I want to be careful to emphasize here that when I'm suggesting that we add competencies or core sales competencies to existing skill sets, I would encourage every business leader to be very selective in this process to identify the competencies that, again, will help us ensure that we're going to perform at an optimal level. Whether or not we're going to meet our financial performance benchmarks, that's not the question here. We want to perform optimally as it relates to those financial performance objectives. And so I would suggest looking at core sales competencies like managing the sales conversation. And what do I mean by that? That's leading the prospect through their purchase decision. It's not a process I can go into detail here, but it's really learning, essentially learning what their highest level priorities are and then aligning what we do as an organization and individually that's distinctive in terms of how we can help them meet those priorities. The priorities could be, you know, a concern they have about sustaining income, or it could be, you know, an objective they have of being number one in their marketplace. But we're speaking then specifically to how we can help them achieve those priorities. And that's a very strategic process, one that differs from just, you know, starting a conversation, talking to people about what our value adds are, as an example. That's a process that we walk anyone who's in a training candidate, we walk them through how they can be more effective at managing a sales conversation. Another competency to consider is asking discovery or leading questions, managing prospect and customer objections, and then delivering an appropriate call to action. And what these in particular do, in my mind, as I'm in a training capacity, as I'm I'm training others, is it helps increase their comfort level. Because what we're doing is we're introducing just a few. These are four or five competencies. But then we are introducing them and defining them and modeling them and clarifying what we mean. And when we do that, we are increasing their comfort level with the skill. And as their comfort level increases and they realize that this isn't adding more, but really helping them execute the responsibilities that they've always had in their operations role, if you did, or in their sales role, but now they're just fine-tuning what they've been doing. I've found that's that motivation, that's that inspiration that they need to feel confident to go out and try these, 
to implement these in their processes and to execute these skills. The marketing side of me loves that you said calls to action because there always seems to be a gap between what we do, how we do it, and then either asking for it or doing something as a result of it. You're absolutely right. And Linda, you and I, I'm almost, uh, you can't see me, of course, but I, I have a smile on my face because you and I have had many conversations about the difference between marketing and sales. And my experience with working with our clients across the country has really brought that difference really to the forefront. Because a lot of times I will work with sales professionals who have titles of marketing reps. And I think it's very important for us. This is a small something, again, an easy thing that we can do as business leaders to help clarify the expectations that we have. If So if you're a business leader and you're managing a sales team who happen to have titles of, as marketing representatives, as an example, well, a marketing representative might more accurately be described as someone whose job is just to increase the awareness of your company's services, products and services to its customer base or to its market. Whereas when you are a sales representative, your job is to convince, to persuade those prospects or consumers to utilize your service. They're two very distinctive roles. Nobody wants the title of sales, right? Because we have these <laughs> visions of, I don't want to say what profession, but we have negative visions of salespeople, which is, I think, very inaccurate because as many people know, no matter who you are in a particular company, an owner, a manager, a decision maker, the clerk who answers the phone or the escrow officer or the realtor, everybody is either selling themselves, selling their company or selling their industry in some way, shape or form. Absolutely. You know, even using myself, I, you know, I never imagined that my sensitive, socially awkward adolescent self um, could have thrived in a sales or sales management role. But I'm so glad that I had the courage to push myself out of my comfort zone. I mean, frankly, courage and my personal drive to be successful, you know, are really the secrets to the success I've achieved and the success that other sales professionals that I work with have achieved in their career. And so I think it all starts though with embracing what a sales professional is. And it doesn't have to be confrontational. It's not about being argumentative. It's not about backing people into a corner or twisting their arm. It's about having strategic, methodical conversations leveraging your interpersonal skills and the relationships you've built and the sales strategies and sales skills that you've built throughout your career, regardless of where you're at in that career, to have very professional conversations that will help your company and yourself meet its financial performance benchmarks. It's a really rewarding career and one that I couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of. I 100% agree. You want people to want to buy not have to buy. You don't want to have to have someone buy something just to get rid of you. And I love the conversation about sales and marketing because there are a lot of people that refer to it sales versus marketing. And I'm trying to convince people not to use that versus because it's not sales versus marketing and marketing versus sales. True marketing departments and people that are marketing, we would not have jobs if there weren't sales goals 
if there weren't sales benchmarks, if there were not sales managers and sales people trying to bring in and close the business. We bring the awareness, but we can't survive without sales professionals like yourself. I always explain it. We supplement each other. I think both approaches are necessary. Again, if we as individuals and organizations are going to have optimal success, and that's what I think all of our goal is. I agree. Now, I'm going to go back to the stress because I just really love how you talked about personal stress and market stress. How can sales professionals enhance their sales outcomes? For example, I'm a salesperson. I've been working through this pandemic and I feel like everything was just hitting me in the face. I had to pivot. I had to struggle. I had to find new ways to do things. I had to get out of my own comfort zone and not have face-to-face transactional appearances, but now I'm doing it virtually. I had to change a lot of things in the past three years. And now with these market changes and this market stress, I feel like things are getting thrown at me again. So how can me as a sales professional enhance my sales outcomes now? Well, Linda, what you've described, I think, is something, again, all of us have encountered, especially over the last you know, 24 to 30 months. And to me, as you were describing what you've went through, uh, it really reinforces the need, one, to be open-minded. What starts there, we have to recognize whether or not we've been doing this in a sales role or even, and I'm speaking to operations employees as well here, regardless of how long we've been in a sales or operations role, we have to recognize that there's always opportunity for improvement. And then with that, being adaptable, because that's one thing that all of us who've been in this profession and, or financial sector for any amount of time, I mean, it just requires adaptability. And so how do we face it? Well, we need to be prepared. We need to acknowledge relationships alone will not be successful in countering our market and competitor threats that we are either facing currently or that we're anticipating. They are a great foundation but we will need more and we need to be prepared. And believe me, I live and breathe the skills that I teach and that I've talked about today and others and strategies. And I have room for improvement. I need to be more prepared. So what I suggest we all do is is really self-assess. When we look at how we're executing our sales calls or how we're engaging for an operations employee, how are we engaging with our, our prospective customers or with our current customers that also work with our competitors? What can we do better from a skill standpoint and a strategy standpoint to take more advantage of those relationships that we've built and the skills that we have? So being prepared by raising your hand if you're an employee and saying, listen, I need more training. Or if you're an owner or a manager, by you know leaning on, I think this is one of the strongest recommendations I have. We need to lean on our business partners. We need to lean on our vendors. We need to lean on each other throughout this process to help motivate and educate our teams, ourselves, and so that we are better prepared to counter these increasing challenges that we're going to face. Now, that doesn't mean that we sit back and we take six months and we learn these. No, I encourage all of us to learn as we go. We're going to fail, to embrace failure. We are going to try a skill. We're going to try to manage a customer's objections, whether it's a service or a pricing objection, and we're not going to do a great job. But if we're equipped with the techniques then we can go back to you and say, okay, I didn't acknowledge that their objection. Therefore, I didn't de-escalate 
their frustration. And so next time I face an objection, I need to make certain that I do that before I try to defer them. So as we're giving our employees and ourselves these tactics and techniques to use, it's going to help us be better equipped, better prepared going forward. And we'll just continue to get better and better as we continue to learn by trial and error. The key is being willing to try. And then holding ourselves accountable. That's another key to all of us being successful. Um, We're not always working in an environment where our leadership, our managers are overseeing us. And so knowing what the skills are that we are accountable to executing and how we're performing and what we need to do and being able to look at ourselves honestly and say, I need more help here. And if we're honest and hold ourselves accountable, we're going to improve. And then resiliency. That's really the last key tip that I could give to helping anyone be more successful in the immediate future. It's just being resilient. This is not easy. This is not fast. There is no magic pill. We will have setbacks. We will fail, as I've said. But it's vital that we remain committed to improvement, incremental improvement. Anyone who's worked with me for any period of time, you've heard me say this, you're going to hear me continue to stress incremental improvement individually and as a team. Darlene, I cannot end this podcast on any other note than that. Be self-aware, lean on others, be resilient. Thank you so much for being on FNF Unplugged today. It was really a treat. Thank you, Linda. I've enjoyed it. If you have questions, comments, or would like us to feature a specific topic, email fnfeducation at fnf.com. Thanks for downloading FNF Unplugged, a presentation of the FNF family of companies. All rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, including Fidelity National Financial or its directors. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.